1: Jim Trotter, always Mr. good to Hallie. see you. It's always, always good to see pleasure. you in general. Really good to see you on the Brother from Another Show. Those watching on PeacockTV.com, we appreciate you. Thank you for watching. If you're listening on SiriusXM Channel 85, keep on listening. Keep on listening. YouTube, wherever you listen to podf- podcast, wherever you consume this show, even if it's a couple of days later. A week later, two weeks later, we appreciate you. Thank you for the support. And Jim, I got to tell you, we got to start off. We thought, I thought I would start off today talking about football with you. Always love talking about the NFL and the week that was. And then, woo, out of the sky comes Robert Sarver. Robert Sarver, for those of you who don't know the name, the owner currently of the Phoenix Suns. (laughs) And he says he's going to sell the team. He's going to sell the team, the Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. He's moving on. And, and Jim, one of the all time great in quotes, in one of the all time great statements we got from Robert Sarver today on his logic, on, on why he's selling the team. And I, I got We got to read this. You know, Gary, put this up. This way. I just want to read this. I don't want to leave a single thing out <laughs> from this statement because it's so over the top. It's so ridiculous considering what Robert Sarver did, what, what he went through. We have that statement, what, what he went through to get to this point. All right. So the, this is a guy, Jim, who was suspended for a year. This is a guy who said the uh, you know he said some things that that he was just relaying stories he said some things that he used some words that he wouldn't normally use but he was just repeating what other people said and he had a very toxic work culture where there were comments made about race and ethnicity and sexuality and all these things that happened in his race and his culture he says as a man of faith this is this is rich i believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. It gets better, though. That's just a nice little intro. But in our current unforgiving climate, Jim, (laughs) it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I'm beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. Jim, before I toss it to you, I just say this Um, that as a man of faith comma is not throwing me off. I'm not being distracted (laughs) by that distraction. I'm not going to bow down because you say you're a man of faith. Uh, There is a gospel that you got to live by. Then if you're a man of faith. There's a gospel. There's a corresponding gospel. It's not just your words. You can't just say it. Then I'm going to have to leave you alone. I know that forgiveness, uh, forgiveness does come. You are called to forgiveness, but you're also called a confession. You're also called to accountability. Robert Sarver wants forgiveness without ever acknowledging that he did anything wrong. So no, you don't, you don't get forgiveness, man of faith, because you haven't acknowledged anything. You continue to point out other folks. Well, they did it. Why can't I? Well, I didn't say it. He said it first. I'm just repeating it or or you guys are too hostile. You're too harsh. How about you, Robert? You still haven't learned that you are a big part of the problem and that's why you're selling the the sons because there's some pressure being put on you. People have noticed that you haven't taken accountability for your actions and they're not having it. What do you think Jim?
2: Well, first of all, I'm surprised that you would not allow Robert Sarver to be the victim here, which is what he wants to be based on that that statement, I should say. Look, I think you're absolutely right about the pressure that was put on him. Number one, as we have seen in professional sports, and in particular in the sport that I cover, the NFL, one of the things that speaks most to a league is sponsor money. And so the minute that PayPal, who is the patch sponsor for the Suns came out and said, it was considering not renewing its contract with the Suns. In my mind, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this could be the first step. And then the second element of this to me is, the man also owns a WNBA team. So what is the pressure going to be like next season when that starts? And these players on that team, as well as others around the league, are asked about having Robert Sarver as an owner in their league. We have already seen in the past WNBA players exert enough pressure to get an owner, racist owner up out of there. So for me, that was also an issue. And the other thing, this is part of what I love about the WNBA too. It is a league and its players um, are not afraid to step up and step out on these issues of right and wrong. And even now, what, what have we heard? that WNBA players are not going to go to Russia because they support Brittany Griner and believe that she is falsely imprisoned. So I think when you add up the pressure that was to come from WNBA players, as well as looming pressure of sponsors pulling out in relationship to the Suns, um, as well as NBA players speaking out as well, I think when you put it all together in that pot and you stir it up, I don't think he had much choice but to sell at this point.
1: Do you think and I I really don't know the answer to this. I think I know the answer. But uh, as a journalist, I can't just say, oh, I know what happened. Right. Can't say it definitively. That's why I'm gonna ask you the question. Do you think that this was all part of Adam Silver's master plan that he would throw out this? I'm not going to take your team away from you. I'm going to suspend you for a year. I'm going to make the report public and I'm going to let the public put pressure on you to sell. Or do you think Adam Silver just got lucky that PayPal did what Silver wouldn't do, that, that other people started to put pressure, apply pressure where Silver didn't apply it and that's where we are today? What, what do you think?
2: Yeah, again, like you being a journalist, I don't know, but if I were to make a guess, I would say Silver got lucky because if he were going to step up in the beginning, he would have. I think um, yeah. what we have seen again, Following up with other leagues, um, we tend to forget sometimes that commissioners work for owners. And therefore, sometimes there is only so far that they are willing to go for fear of blowback on them by the other owners. And I think that there are some, remember in the NBA when Donald Sterling was forced out, you had some owners who after that spoke up and said, wait a minute, have we gone a step too far in this? Um, and including Mark Cuban was one of those who, who kind of questioned uh, Donald Sterling being forced out of the league. So I think Adam Silver, in my opinion, just got lucky here and props to PayPal for stepping up and saying it was considering, it didn't say it would, as I read it, it said it was considering not renewing its partnership with the Phoenix Suns and the NBA in that way. So if other sponsors had done the same or spoken out in the same way, and maybe they did behind the scenes, I don't know. Not yeah. being an NBA uh, reporter, maybe they did behind the scenes, and maybe that that helped lead to what happened today.
1: And you said you said off the top in your statement, Jim, that you know you're surprised that I'm not a- allowing Robert Sarver to play the victim. Uh, you know, tongue firmly planted in cheek, right? Sarcastic. Right. I got it. And I'm with you. I'm with you, because guys like this, people like this that that's where they live. That's where they want to reside. It allows them to be insulated and they never have to look at their own behavior. They, they, they make these grand statements and they hide behind these abstractions, culture and society. And we're in a place right now in American history. Like you ain't no historian dog. You, You don't care about the culture, no cultural critic. We're not talking about something way uh, out yonder. We're talking about you. I'm not talking but about the... culture. I'm talking about the Phoenix suns. I'm talking about the last 17 or 18 years where you have presided over the suns and this report tells everything that you have done and the people that you've hired and things that have happened in your organization. Stop trying to bring in. Oh, it's so toxic. It's so harsh. and so unforgiving and I'm a man of faith. If you're a man of faith, act better then. You shouldn't well, have to tell. hold them. on, Mike. Hey, oh, wait, hey, hang on hey, now.
2: Hey. We got a lot of people who will say they are people of faith in today's uh culture That's what who I we see them, I know they're not walking that walk.
1: That's what I'm saying. Hey, 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 Jim, this is what I want to say for for anybody here's a challenge to myself as well. Anybody of faith, I shouldn't have to hear it from you. I shouldn't have to hear you say it. I shouldn't I should just know for my interactions with you, I should have a pretty good idea that there's something a little different about you. There's something that, a little that, different. That's kind
2: of, that's kind of right? those who say, my best friend, one of my best friends is black, you know? Don't call me a <laughs> racist, right? You know? <laughs> that's right. But yeah, but just, let me just, say this too. The thing that got me about what Sarber said as well is he said he felt that people were not um allowing him forgiveness for things he said in the past. There were things that he did that, as I read the report, to me, read like sexual harassment or sexual assault, if you will. So it wasn't just his words. It was also his actions in that report that he seems to be completely overlooking at this point. Um, There was behavior there that, that, should never ever be tolerated. And that's why I thought in the initial discipline that Adam Silver got it wrong and was too lenient on Sarver. Cause th- this wasn't like all of this took place decades ago. Um, some of this was fairly recently if you read the story that ESPN wrote about yeah. this. So um, no, Robert Sarver, you don't get to play the victim here. And And I, for one, I think like you, I'm not about to give you a pass on this.
1: Absolutely not. Uh, let's bring in our guy, Kurt Heelan. Kurt, uh, you know what the news is of the day. Kurt Heelan from Pro <laughs> Basketball Talk uh, all over this. I think we even talked about it when it first happened. You know, what does yeah. Adam Silver do? And are you surprised uh, at the result? One year, at the time, it was one year, $10 million. I guess that is the official penalty. But the bigger penalty will come when, when Sarver is out of the league. And even that, I say penalty with kind of a little bit of a wink, Kurt, because when the Phoenix Suns sell, it's going to be a lot of money, and he's going to walk away with a a pretty good chunk in his pocket. What were your takeaways from that sale, uh, from the news that he plans to sell the team?
3: uh, First off, you you hit that second nail, that nail right there on the head. It's the same thing that happened with with, um, Donald Sterling. Oh the poor guy he bought that team for a in 2004 for a then record 401 million it's over 2 billion now it will go for over 2 billion he is going to he's going to Scrooge McDuck into a pile of gold when this thing is over it's it's not like it's not that stiff a punishment in that sense and i loved that i heard you guys talking that you were not letting him get away with the victim thing which was what kind of grated on me when i first read that the like You've read the report. There are actions in there that would make the characters in Mad Men go, No, no, don't do that. Not even in our area. You cannot, like, there's just horrible stuff in there that, that was completely unacceptable uh, up through 2021. Like, this wasn't, yeah, some of it was in the past, some of it was really recent. I, I was put off by it. I don't, I think, by the way, Jim also kind of nailed it with Adam Silver got a little lucky. Adam Silver did what you have? we have watched Roger Goodell do, and I don't really want to defend Roger Goodell today, but I got, but he stood there and taken the bullets for owners at points, right? Like he has stood up there because that's part of the job of being a commissioner, man. You stand up there and you you take that hit. I think he took that hit, but I think he was, I think in his dreams he was hoping for something like this. He was hopeful that this would come, but I don't think he thought that. I think most of the people around the league, getting, and most of the people I talked to were, man, if we push any harder, He's going to fight. He's going to push back. He's going to want he's going to want the thing that scares every owner the most, which is discovery. Like we'll we'll sue and we'll go into discovery and we'll start looking in your glass houses. So, I think I think Adam Silver's got to be pretty happy with this outcome.
2: Kurt, do you think or have you heard anything about how other owners reacted to the initial discipline of Sarver?
3: I think Look, Adam Silver would have gone farther originally if he thought he had. I mean, it still takes two-thirds. You needed 23 owners of the 29 remaining to, to be with him. I don't think he had that kind of support to go harder, or he would have. It would have been, if not a lifetime, multiple years or something else. Um, that's as far as he thought he could go. I think more, look, and you mentioned this earlier, and I think it's probably true with with... The, the, well, now the commander. So I was going to call them the Redskins. With 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 every owner like that's in these kind of situations, the other owners, once the money gets involved, suddenly their ears perk up, right? Like once it's about dollars and cents. Like she said, PayPal pulled out. I can tell you for sure, there was concern in Phoenix. They were there was a lot of work being done to make other sponsors comfortable to make them make the, to to make sure that they weren't going to start bolting that there wasn't going to be some exodus but i think that that was part of the pressure that they they felt this was coming and look um a week from monday or the next monday is the start of training um most media days phoenix's media day most of the media days are on monday if right now every team i mean it didn't matter what team in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant was going to get asked, hey, what did you think about Robert Sarver? You know, LeBron was going to get asked, let alone what Chris Paul was going to have to answer. Like it wasn't going away. And I think that this was a way ultimately before things got worse and he realized things were going to get worse, he just kind of stepped back and and made this decision.
1: Uh, I, I'm not saying I'm looking for chaos uh, uh, necessarily, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'll say this, I'm a little disappointed that it was announced today, because as you said, Kurt, media day coming on Monday. <laughs> I would love an announcement yeah. on Tuesday or Wednesday, because yeah. I want to see how NBA players like Jim's made the point, and 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 it's a great point. WNBA players, you never oh, have yeah. to guess where a WNBA player stands on any issue for better right. or worse WNBA players will tell you and most of the time it's for better they will tell you oh we're not down with this they will have shirts they're organized they'll do something they 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 move it they move the issue forward you cannot hide behind it and i'd say uh in, in this issue the phoenix suns phoenix suns players and coaches have been diplomatic yeah they they've been diplomatic they haven't called they haven't called them out they haven't said hey you know we're going to focus on basketball that 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 was the response last year. I'm gonna focus on basketball. All we can do is make sure we're professional, but no, 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 not now. How about on media day when he hasn't announced anything and you know what the penalty is? How do you I, I would love to hear those guys talk about it and really talk about it and not and not dance and not be politicians.
3: That would have been fun to see. I think we'll get, by the way, don't you think we'll get a little of that now? Now that it's relatively safe to slam the boss, like it'll be easier for some guys to come through and go, oh, yeah, I would have come out and hammered him on. But there would have still been some. I I think. By the way, your point about the WNBA, I don't think it's an accident when this report was released by the league. You know, weeks before training camp opened in the absolute deadest part of the NBA season, when we're all focused on how the heck the Dolphins are actually winning games. Like, while that's going on, the WNBA was in the finals, but that was, you know, that was going out, right? That was kind of fading. There was a hope that this would blow over, that he'd be able to quietly go away for a year and come back. And that wasn't happening. And it was building. You know, Draymond Green came out yesterday to keep the story alive. As long as people were keeping it alive, it was gonna be a problem.
2: As we say, as we say, Mike, I'll say this, always better late than never. And this was the right decision all the way around. So um, no, Robert Sarver doesn't get to play the victim here. And for whatever reason and what transpired behind the scenes, this was the right move. And now I'm eager to see who steps in who's going to pony up, you know, the 2 yeah, billion.
3: Th- there's there's no shortage of people lurking around who see the NBA as good business, who see the NBA as good business. By the way, not just domestically, their growth is international. They are the best basketball league in the world and, and in a popular and growing sport. They see this as a, an investment opportunity. Uh, and by the way, that's a, uh, and I think Woj tweeted this out. This is a sleeping giant of a franchise. It is a warm weather place people want to be. Guys like Phoenix. Like, That's just, right. That is, that has been a cheaply run franchise that if they bring in somebody who is not going to run it cheaply is suddenly a lot more dangerous.
1: Hey, Listen, Kurt, since we have you here, let's not just waste our time talking about Robert Sarver. Very important story. <laughs> but uh, we got to talk about some other uh, basketball issues, including the Brooklyn Nets returning knowing that it, it, they have to act like Hey, nothing happened at the end of last year. Hey, we lost to the Celtics and then 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 we got quiet. No, no, no. Uh, we thought your second best player was going to be out. He's back without your best but <laughs> your best player has to be traded a couple of times ask for the coach. Hey, pick between me and the coach and the GM. The owner says no, I'm picking the coach and the GM <laughs> and now he's back. They got to act like that didn't happen. I'm just, I'm just really curious about, you know, wh- what's going to happen with the very talented but very dysfunctional Brooklyn Nets.
3: I, I kind of wish I was at their media day. I'm going to Laker media day instead out here, which will have its own spin. But I got a feeling going to that that Nets media day is going to be like those tilt-a-whirl, spinny things at the carnival that just whip you around and you're glued to the side. There is so much spin going out of that thing. Ky- Kyrie Irving started it this week, didn't he? Kyrie Irving's like. Oh, uh, that humbled us. We needed to be humbled. We needed. I, there's going to be so much of the that just uh, everybody's on the same page. We're all good. I'm sure Ben Simmons hasn't played in a year. Sure. Like, all this, they're just going to wash over all this and say, oh, we're fine. It's all good. And boy, there are just so many questions. Like, I just don't know if they're really going to be able to pull the chemistry together. On this is, look, on paper. Sure, like this is an absolute contender. But I've got questions about whether they can bring this thing together and also whether, is Steve Nash the coach that can get them there, Michael?
1: Yeah.
2: Let me me ask this question of you, Kurt. When I look at the Nets, here's why I think potentially it could work this year. Kyrie did get humbled this offseason. Yeah. Where he found there were no takers for him at this point so he's basically playing on a one-year deal to approve it. deal to hopefully yeah. get a big multi-year deal after this season and duran if he wants out one of the best ways for him is to go out ball out this team does well and then maybe he feels he has some leverage over steve nash and the gm so I- i'm one of those who are like i'm not so sure there's going to be total dysfunction with this franchise this year. Am I, am I wrong to think that way?
3: No, but only because my, my concern is just this. There are so many questions. You can't possibly answer them all. Right. Correct. Like, but. The talent's unquestionable, right? Like when Kevin Durant has played and stayed healthy, he has played. Look, Tokyo Olympics right here on, on Peacock. He, was, he looked like the best player walking the face of the earth then, and I i would argue Giannis has taken that crown from him since, but he's hes capable of being that good. Kyrie Irving is still a phenomenal scorer, best, best handles maybe ever in the league, certainly up there, and there's good role players around them. We'll see what Ben Simmons is, okay. but if he accepts a role, a Draymond-esque role, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, I like Nick Claxton as a center. I think they're a little small. I've got questions about their defense, but they are capable of being an absolute title contender. It's just, I just, when you got that many questions.
1: There's a a lot to account for. Now, listen, uh, Jim, uh, Kurt, uh, this is really an important point. Jim, Kurt said he's going to Lakers Media Day in Los Angeles. And forget about all the X's and O's and all the basketball stuff. There's something really important you got to address. And we are experts on it. (laughs) LeBron James apparently has gone bald. Yes. Okay, LeBron James is bald. And I know, fellas, you know, we all have our individual stories. I know it took it was a psychological journey for me. I probably was bald five years before I decided that I was bald. You know, I played these little games. Play these little games with yourself. Oh, I got a little something right there. Hair, it's not that bad. Or if you bald up top. You got a good barber who can kind of shade, you No know, shade the covers to the left, shade it to the right. <laughs> and I'll even, I even did this. And, and fellas, look, if I'm not talking about you, if I'm not talking about you out there, don't worry, don't be offended. I'm just talking about my experience. There's this little thing, and I can tell when people are doing it. To really strengthen the hairline and strengthen the weak areas, they put in a little... Put a little something, a little dye or a little something in there, uh, <laughs> so they dye it and they kind of they kind of manufacture a hairline. And I know I did that the last time I did it, fellas. I was itching. I was it was just I was starting. To, it was itching. I, I was starting to get bumps. <laughs> I was freaking out. I was like, look, I'm bald. I'm done. So so, Kurt, <laughs> tell LeBron. It's okay, bruh. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome I'll, to I'll the problem I could do. I
3: I yeah, I mean, but it's not like he's sh- doing what I did this morning and shaving it, you know, with his Gillette in the in the in the sink. You're like, you know, he's got a barber in his house every morning with the hot towels and the whole the whole bit. He's uh, going to be doing it right. So, yeah, you know, hey, it, I lost my hair young. I was 21, 22, when my girlfriend's like, Oh, you're losing your hair. Have you considered like cutting it back? I'm you know, like So it, it, they're
2: just but Trotter, going, hey, but, but, there guys where you just kinda He of can no learn from Trotter
1: it? though. He can learn from Trotter. <laughs> no, Trotter <laughs> got a really smooth, smooth ball.
2: Uh, well look, it's nothing that I've done, but I'll say this, we all have our stories, right? So I was kinda cowardly the way I went about shaving it. So the wife takes the the young kids off to to visit with um, the in-laws. And while she's gone, I decide, okay, I'm gonna shave now. So I do pick her up at the airport. This was back before, you know, um, 9-11 when you could actually go to the gate and pick up your, your spouse. And she walks off the plane and she looks at me and she says, grow your hair back. And I looked at her and I said, if I could, I would. But I can't. That's right. So, that's right. you know? And and so, I, love it. I got the blessing from there going through. You no. Know?
1: Oh, I love that. If I could, I would. Hey, th- there you go. Trotter, you speak for all of us. If I could, like these folks saying, hey, Holly, bring back the dreads. Please. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> that ain't happening. That day yep. is dead. You're looking good, if Brian. I could, I would. Thank you,
0: Kurt.
3: Take care, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kurt.
4: We just got to stop beating ourselves. You know, the first game, first drive, pick six. Next drive, fumble, give them ten points off the bat. Now we're playing from behind. Defenses can pin their ears back, play third down defense, don't have to get up and challenge us. Same thing next game. We get down 14-3 early, starting in first and 15s for, you know, the first three drives. And now, you know, they can play third down defense. They can mix up the looks. You know, they're not afraid of the run game because they're winning by – Eleven points. We just gotta quit being ourselves, start faster, and then you know we'll get more chances.
1: Uh, Joe Burrow sounds pretty confident for a quarterback who is sitting on an zero and two record following a magical season for the uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, they got close. They were a few yards away from even tying the Super Bowl. They could even won the Super Bowl Mike Jones, but now they're 0 and two. They're one of these 0 and two teams and I want to ask you and Trotter which 0 and two team if any uh, you're concerned about. Let's start with Cincinnati Mike. Uh, do you think they'll be able to turn it around or is this the beginning of a, pr- a pretty disappointing season in Southwest Ohio.
4: I do think it's going to be hard for them to duplicate what they did last year. I think it's going to be, I would be surprised if they did make it back to the Super Bowl. I have them just missing the playoffs. It's hard, man. Like when teams lose the Super Bowl, that Super Bowl hangover is real. Very few teams make it back to the Super Bowl or even make it back to the playoffs. But what I'm seeing with Cincinnati is a line that despite a lot of investments still is not doing very well offensively and a quarterback who hangs onto the ball way too long trying to make something out of nothing and he his health is really really important and he's not helping himself um the defense also isn't playing great there's a lot they have to get worked out and yes it's a long season again but when you look at some of those things that they are struggling with i kind of wonder if they are going to be they just might join what the long list of teams that really can't get over that super bowl loss hangover
2: yeah, I would, I would agree with King Jones on that. Um, but uh, my, he knows I call him King Jones because he's a man. Um, but I would agree with him on everything he said there. You know, they made a lot of investments in the line. That hasn't necessarily panned out to this point. And defensively, they're not playing as well as they, they did a year ago. Also, remember, they won a lot of close games. They had a lot of balls bouncing their direction last year, which their season could have gone the other way very easily. So now they're playing in a division, obviously, where, you know, the Ravens, Um, with Lamar healthy are always a threat. Pittsburgh, who knows? Cleveland's trying to hang on until Deshaun comes back. That is the only positive I see for the Bengals at this point is that there's a lot of uncertainty in that division that maybe they can hang around and try and get it right and still be in the mix late in the year.
4: Yeah, I agree with you, but it's just, you know, you see this start, and you know I think it's like, 11% 11% of teams that start 0 and 2 wind up
2: making the playoffs. And it doesn't mean last it right year, now. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't think any 0 2 team made it last year. Right. That's I don't think since now 2020, I don't think anybody has.
1: Yeah. And I think the last 0 and 3 to make it was what? The Texans uh, in, in 2018. Uh, shocking that the Texans seemed so long ago. The Texans were in the playoffs uh, in 2018. But I want to ask you, uh, I want to ask you both about Tennessee because it's like Ryan Tannehill and this is, he's, he's one of those uh, studies, one of those people that no matter what you do, people just remember who you were and then no matter what, like last year, they were the number one seed. See, you could be a number one seed with Ryan Tannehill. They lose. He throws three picks. See? You can't get to the Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, they just he's always on this extreme thing. Yeah, great turnaround. Ah, what'd you expect is him. So here they are at Owen, two. He looked awful uh, on Monday night in Buffalo. Is Ryan Tannehill going to be able to help this team? Not that he's going to carry him. Is he going to be able to help this team? Uh, get back to the playoffs.
4: Well, who's he going to throw to? That's my question. They got rid of his best weapon um, in the passing game. Um, you know, he's got some young guys. It's going to take a little while for them to come along. But their offensive line is not playing well. They really miss. They lost their one of their starting guards. One of their in their right tackle. Um, so I think the Ten is probably pressing a little bit because he feels like he has to do something. But again, what's he going to work with? And if they can't get the run game going because teams are hitting. Uh, Derek Henry at the line or behind the line and he's a guy who needs to pick up speed. He can't stop and change on a dime and uh, avoid uh, defenders. So I don't see how, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill can get this thing going because everything around him is headed the wrong direction.
2: You know, for me, Ryan Tannehill is one of those guys that when football coaches talk about um, football being a complimentary game in terms of offense, defense, and special teams, he's that guy and what we see also in Tennessee right now is that defensively, they're not playing well. You know, Harold Landry's a big loss for them um, when he suffered that season ending injury before, you know, week one and not having him, not having this defense play up to the level that it has in the past. Now you got to take more chances offensively because maybe you're playing from behind instead of playing with a lead where you can play ball control mm-hmm. with Derrick Henry and the like. So for me, it's, it's all of that together. Um, I'm a big fan of Mike Brable in terms of the way they play and the physicality they play with, but that is a style of football where everything has to work in unison. And right now we're not seeing that. You know, Buffalo put a hurting on Tennessee on that defense. And unless they can get that cleaned up as well, I'm not sure it's going to matter what they do on offense at the quarterback position.
1: Jim, you said Buffalo put a hurting on and then just fill in the blank. Because it looks like that's gonna be the story for the rest of the season. Uh, Mike and Jim, uh, I, I talked about this a bit yesterday, and I need your football minds to to bring me back down. So yeah, you know, I need a I need a sobering I need sobering football thoughts because I'm looking at Buffalo now and I'm saying I don't know if anybody can slow them down. On the you know what's the flaw? Can anybody stop them? There's got to be some flaw. There's got to be something they don't do well, right, Mike?
4: Yeah, but, I mean, it's a long season, uh, and and warts eventually get exposed. You never know about injury. Um, You know, the second time around, teams see them. Uh, Different teams start off hot because you have the Rams – who they didn't play their starters in the preseason. And so they play in the season opener and that's basically their first dress rehearsal. Um, you have, you know, a number of teams who take that approach. And so it takes, you know, five, six weeks for these teams to really hit their stride. So we'll see, but I tell you what, everything you see from Buffalo is just like, dad gone, man, like can't, can anybody stop them? Um, I had them get into the Super Bowl and losing to the Rams. And after that, I'm like, man, Maybe I picked the wrong team to win because they can do everything.
2: Mike, let me flip the script on you for a minute. You say, can anyone stop them? I'm going to ask, can anyone score on them? Look, they've given up a total of 17 points in two games. So I'm sitting here saying, can we give a little love to Leslie Frazier, their defensive coordinator, who so many teams passed on as a head coach option, you know, last year and in previous season. The one thing Leslie has shown now, if you give him the players, He can make it work. And they were a pass rusher away, potentially, potentially from reaching the Super Bowl a year ago. You bring in a a Von Miller and look at what they're doing now. They haven't given up a point in the second half of a game thus far. And I realize it's only two games, but still that's impressive. And to your point, your question, Michael, about how do you beat the Bills? I think number one, you have to be able to capitalize on their mistakes. The Rams had that opportunity in week one, where there were three turnovers in the first half. That that LA forced and they really didn't do anything with it. So to me, if you're gonna be Buffalo, you're gonna have to be on your game and capitalize on on those opportunities they give you, because they have shown, at least at times, that they will give you the football. Now what do you do with it?
1: Yeah, they put so much pressure uh on a defense with that. it are just showing that Allen to Stephon Diggs, that's tough to deal with. And that's just not and that's kind of just a piece of it, because there's also Allen. Uh, ask people in Kansas City. There's also Allen, the Gabe Davis. So that that's, that, that's a feature. And then if they start to get a running game from running backs, I say it that mm-hmm. way because Josh Allen could be a running game too. I'm I'm just trying to think offensively. Maybe what you're hoping for is Allen. He threw, I think 15 interceptions last year. So maybe you're like, okay, if we can get him to and and his completion percentage uh, went down last year too. I think the year before he was about seventy percent. Last year is about sixty three. But those are nitpicks, right, Mike? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm really I'm going deep. I'm going deep into like the the small print to find something wrong, aren't I?
4: Yeah, and yeah, and that's what you have to do. Um, you know, and and you know, just like you know, Lord Trotter said about that defense, you know, they, with their oh. leads that they get offensively, King, they well, can well, come hold
1: back on, hold, on. hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Now, this, now, this is, this hey, is going too far. We, we had are,
2: we're going to do this now. We're going to do this. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah hey. King Jones, King Jones, now we got Lord.
4: Hey, he just trying Trotter. to, he was trying to one-up me, but he's, you know, he, that's been his title for a while now. He's a nobleman, you know, <laughs> and he's like the gold standard. And so, you know, I'm you not, know what? Okay, I'm sorry. am going to let him have
2: that. No, I'm going to let him have that because I don't want to put his personal stuff out in the street. I'll let him handle that. But he knows. Cool. he's he. No, it's positive. Nothing like that. It's all positive. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Mike knows. On. Where's Michael Snow? We got to bring him back. He's the man. He's the man.
1: <laughs> come on. Let's go. Hey, Let's I'm go trying to be more. like him when I grow up. Uh, If if we can't, uh, uh, fellas, if if we can't get uh, Mike Jones's personal stories into the show, uh, I guess I'll have to settle for, I have to look forward to Bill's Dolphins uh, for my entertainment this weekend. I'm saying it's my September Super Bowl. Trotter uh, and then Jones, am I going too far on this? I mean, I just, it's an early season game, but I'm really looking forward to it based on what they both did last week.
2: Go ahead, Mike. Oh,
4: no, he said you first, sir.
2: Oh, um, yeah, I think it's an overreaction. Um, I think, look, we're, we're in week three. As Mike said earlier, there's a lot of football to be played. Injuries always play a role at some point late in the year. Momentum plays a, a, a factor in all of these things. But I will say this. For where we are at at this point in the season, without question, this is must-see TV. Um, When you look at the the strides that Tua Tagabaloa has taken and then you look at what the Bills are doing, I'm fascinated to see how this is going to play out in this game. Um, You know, the Dolphins with that speed on the perimeter, it's unlike really anything we've we've seen before that I can remember um, where you have two playmakers who are not just fast, but they are playmakers. You've had guys in the past who were fast, but maybe not. They couldn't. um, They weren't as agile. Put it that way as some guys just have straight line speed. These guys are football players. And when I look at that and I look at what Tua is doing and then defensively how the Dolphins have been good the last couple of years, particularly last year, um, it's gonna be a fun game. So I look forward to it. But to say that it is, we're seeing, you know, I realize they're both in the AFC, let's say an AFC championship game. I think it's too early to go that far.
4: I agree. But And my, my other thing is, is they have not faced a defense like what we're seeing out of Buffalo yet. Um, you know, the Patriots, yes, is Bill Belichick, but they have some holes. Baltimore has some injuries and guys coming back from injury who weren't right up to, uh, you know, top standards. I am very impressed with what Mike, with Mike McDaniel is doing with Tua and with the rest of those guys. But I kind of expect for a young team, they might come down to earth just a little bit. Um, this week, um, as they run into uh, a team like Buffalo, I've got Buffalo winning this one here.
1: Oh man, you guys are no fun. You guys are no fun. Like, you're so, so logical. You're so
4: logical. I mean, you, just use it, you <laughs> I mean, get your popcorn, but it just might not quite be, on. you know, you know, a shootout like we saw last week.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah.
2: Leslie Frazier.
1: All right. So, okay. All right. So Leslie Frazier is going to come up
2: with a game plan. He's going to come up with a game plan, I believe, to slow this Dolphins offense.
1: Okay. Uh, And my my last, my last thing for you, Mike Jones, is this, um, and you just mentioned it, you said Mike McDaniels done a a really good job. And I was really concerned about uh, a guy like McDaniel. And I say like McDaniel who's been an offensive coordinator, but not a play caller. So I was was holding that over his head. I was like, I want to see what it's like when the games start and I had the wrong profile. I was looking at McDaniel in South Florida. I should have been looking in Denver for Nathaniel Hackett, who is the same profile offensive coordinator. Never called plays. One guy's being tripped up by it. One guy's thriving. Tell me, is this is it too early to just cancel out uh, Hackett, or is it just a really bad couple of weeks for him?
4: Uh, and look, there will be growing pains, and, and you know, from some first-year coaches uh, will take their lumps. Mike McDaniel, though, may have one of the highest IQs in the entire NFL. This guy is so meticulous and. He didn't, it's not like Jay Gruden running a watered down version of John Gruden's offense. He has worked hand in hand with Kyle Shanahan, helping build that offense in Houston, followed him to Washington, went to Cleveland, went to Atlanta. He knows this offense, he knows the whys behind it. He was a freaking ball boy in Denver learning from Mike Shanahan. So this guy is, I'm telling you, he's been around this offense more longer than he's been like, you know, an adult. Half of his life, he's been so, around this offense. I dare him if he had brought so, that.
1: If he had brought that into the interview, if he brought that experience. <laughs> hey, listen, I know this offense so well. No, I knew it when I was involved. I'm a ball just boy, telling you, he wouldn't be the head this coach. This guy right
4: has been around this offense so long, and if, I mean, this guy is not like a normal like football mind head coach. He's like another level of intelligence. So that's why I'm not surprised that he's doing well as a play caller. I just thought that it would take a little while for a, you know the team to come together, but. Mike McDaniel
1: Can I just point is, out to is you? really sharp. Can I point out to you? I, I'm sure he's bright. Uh, you know, Yale guy, Ivy League, shout out, uh, shout out New Haven, Connecticut, shout out Yale. But across from him in game one was a rocket scientist. And you're not writing nice <laughs> things about him, Matt Patricia. So he's pretty smart too. Who cares? <laughs> who cares how smart? Like you still got to get your guys to perform. There are a lot of smart right. guys in the NFL who don't coach well. But that's why we were saying how he's able to handle the
4: play calling in addition to all the other stuff. It's just because, like, he's just, like, his brain works faster than a lot of first-year head coaches probably. He's, he's got a head start just because of his background okay. and his intelligence.
2: <laughs> but see, wow. Michael Holly. if you keep doing our guests like that, he really is going to ask for Michael Smith to come back and get back <laughs> on the show.
1: Oh, Mike Jones. You, li- you, leave,
2: King- you leave King Jones alone.
1: <laughs> no, no. See, so this is great. Mike Jones... We, we, we treated him with kid gloves the first couple of appearances, but now he's family. So now around yeah. the table where everybody's arguing and yelling, but they still love each other, he's in that category now. So he knows it's all love.
2: I understand. Let me, you know can I say Mike, this? Mike,
1: you go ahead and say it. Go ahead say it.
2: No, for me, I was, I was going to talk about that, that what you brought up speaks to the point of just how difficult it is to be a head coach, a first-time head coach, first-year head coach, and how there is so much more to this game and being a a head coach than just X's nose. Nathaniel Hackett's game management is just awful. I mean, (laughs) awful. It is. It's awful.
1: I love it. Thank you, Mike.
4: Thank you, guys. Good to see you.
1: Oh Jim is it got real in Cleveland uh, last week Cleveland not happy with Jim Haslam fan throws a water bottle at the owner of the team a water bottle and now that fan yeah. clearly is going to be banned for life but I, I, hey that's a uh, I've never seen anything like that before for, uh, at an owner how about you?
2: No, I haven't. The closest I think I, I, I think to that is from my Charger days. Um, one time in, in New York, uh, there were fans throwing snowballs at the Chargers sideline and actually ended up hitting um, the late Sid Brooks, equipment manager, knocked him out. So um, other times. No, no, it's uh, it's a true story. Another time in Oakland, I know LaDainian Tomlinson scored a touchdown down in the black hole and they started throwing batteries and other mm-hmm. things down at him in the end zone, they had won the game in overtime with the score, but there's just no place for that, you know, and and I understand Browns fans could be unhappy with Jimmy Haslam, and and I've been as critical of him as anyone, but you know, physical assault, there's just no place for it, not in a sporting event. You know
1: what they need? You know, sometimes you're in a bad space, you're in a bad mood. Someday, I know you do this, Jim, you like your uh, old school music, I do too. Put on some good music. Like today, is September 21st. That is also known as Earth, Wind, and Fire Day because of the great song, September. And there's a line in there. Everybody knows, do you remember the 21st out of September? But the Browns fans should think about the other line. The next one is, love was changing the minds of pretenders. So,
2: let, let love change Look at your you. mind. Let Look love... at you. Go ahead, mm, Mr. Howard. Oh, Give it to them. Give it to them.
1: That's my group. And you saw them, speaking of Oakland, you saw them Back-to-back nights?
2: Are you kidding? Yeah, I was I was a freshman in college, and, and um, I bought tickets to see him New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, back-to-back nights in Oakland, at the Oakland Coliseum. I went both nights and, let me say, didn't regret it for a minute. Tremendous show.
1: Well, I bet you didn't. Put on September, y'all. Put on September. Thanks for hanging out.
0: Want to make Mom's Day?